0: How's everyone today? I'll tell you what, you know, those girls will never be the same. Because now there's authority. There's authority for Hannah over depression. Right? I mean, you know, when she's talking to people who have depression, she has authority to say, listen, I I know what you feel like. I know where you've been. Um, But God set me free. And he wants to do the same for you. And the same... For Brooklyn, with her back. Come on, this is amazing. God is good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I want to take a moment. We're going to have a little family meeting, okay? Um, every here and now, we have a little family meeting to deal with things and talk about things as a family because we're a family like no other, right? Um, and so, I want to talk about the things that have been transpiring in our nation. And um, last last Sunday, a horrific, horrific event took place in Texas where someone went into a church and began shooting and, and uh, ended up killing 26 people. Um, it was a, it was the result of a domestic type of situation, but um, I want to talk to you about this for a moment because in reality, we we take it very very seriously. Um, the protection and the safety of our people here. And so we've really been looking at this and saying, what are we doing now? What can we do better? What measures can we take to have a readiness in case some, some, something happened like that? And so I want to just, uh, for for the purpose of giving you comfort, let you know that we are on top of this, that there's actions being taken, um, because we want, we want to ensure safety in this place. We want you to come and be free here. Not be worried about going to church. is, is today a day that something horrible is going to happen. Someone's going to go crazy and start shooting people up. We want you to come and be free here. You know what I mean? And so um, I'm going to just very quickly just talk about three things. One is, what are we currently doing to provide safety here? Um, what, are, what have we changed in the last week as a result of the things that took place in Texas and then, what what are our future plans? Very quickly, I just want to I want to go over this. Um, currently, we we in the last year and a half, I think um, we purchased twelve security cameras, and they're placed throughout the the facility. And so, there's the ability to monitor parking lots and hallways, and for the safety of our kids, uh, exits and entrances, to so that we know who's going and coming, um, and and those. Those security cameras are monitored regularly during, right now, as I speak, they're being monitored. And so there's, there's a regular monitoring of those security cameras. Also our ushers that are on duty, they patrol the grounds. They uh, up and down the hallways, uh, check on the kids, and outside, uh, looking out the windows, making sure people coming in that, uh, and we have some, some, some of our ushers have like a security type background. So they're looking with that kind of mindset. Um, and that brings me a lot of comfort. So, so we have uh, we have the cameras, we have monitoring or patrolling of facility and grounds. Also, the children's wing, the the end door nearest the garden and the parking lot is always locked. We do do not use that on Sunday mornings. Then this door where the children go down into the education wing for children's church has a security guard there. So we monitor who goes in. We have a guard there. Even now, there's a guard there watching who would go down that education wing. So that's what we we currently do. As a result of what happened, this is what we're changing. You might want to know this, especially if you're late to church. Um, At 10.15, we're going to lock the doors to the atrium. Really, the only way to get into this building is through the atrium. All other doors are locked. If someone tries to break into a locked door, um, that'll be relatively obvious because people are around everywhere, you know, but um, the doors will be locked. There'll be someone there to let you in, but just for a security precaution, that's another wave of, or another layer of protection, locked doors to keep people out who we think are suspicious. That does not mean that you cannot get into church. If you're here after 10, 15, you'll be, sco- I'm just kidding, but uh, no, someone will let you in. We like it when you're here on time though. It's, it's always a good thing. Uh, but we're locking the doors. Also, we're looking to build a team of guardians. Um, and that would be people that are willing to say, you know what, I'll sit strategically in a place in the sanctuary to uh, provide another level of protection. I'll, I'll, you can count on me to, to be vigilant, to look out and watch for things that look suspicious, things like that. So if that's you and you'd like to do that, maybe you could approach one of the ushers. And we're looking to build a team who would, who would play strategic roles in, in helping us amp up our security. And finally, here's what we're looking into. Um, this week, it is our hope to have someone like a security consultant, and we've been in contact with someone, a security consultant come to our church and look at how we do things, how everything's laid out, and make recommendations. We may need to add more cameras, strategic places. They, uh, we, they may recommend things like, okay, I want you to start a security team. I want your security team to have radios, to communicate, things like that. So we're just going to get their input and then make changes moving forward. But we're not going to make changes without a professional's input. Does this make sense? Yes. All right. So I want you to know we are taking measures to make this place safer. We just don't know uh, what what types of attack the, uh, you know, people would try and bring, but we want to be vigilant in making sure this is a safe place. Amen? Amen. All right, let's move on from that. Our family meeting is done. All right, we started last week a a series called Lost and Found, and the series is based on the parable, parable of the prodigal son. And this parable, and this, in fact, the whole chapter that this parable is found in, is is really talking about the passionate love a father has for his sons and daughters. Some are lost, some are found, but his goal is that all of them would come back into the family. And so today, I want to talk to you about that father. Last week, I talked about the perspective of how God views us. Uh, We talked about you are worth it. Today, I want to talk about the perspective of how uh, about God. And so the title of my message is this. We have a perfect father. We have a perfect father. I want you to look at someone next to you and say, we have a perfect father. Make it personal. I have a perfect father. He's perfect. I mean, we sing the song. We sing the song, you are perfect in all of your ways, right? (laughs) You're perfect in all of your ways. But sometimes... The songs we sing or even the things that were taught from the scriptures don't necessarily line up with what's really it deep down in our hearts and our souls. Like the core belief that we have. You know, I, I hate to call people out, but Hannah, and this is not a negative thing, but what you said was very, or Hannah or maybe Brooklyn said, like, I, I believed, I believed, but then I sort of stopped believing. I sort of gave up. And that's one of the symptoms, you know, of of... Uh, being frustrated to not seeing what you're hopeful for come to pass. But I'm so grateful that God showed up and, and, and did in your life what you were believing for. That's amazing. Um, and sometimes the wait is painful. Amen? Amen. I, I just want to be honest with you. But um, I believe that the message of the Father's love is one of the most important messages uh, in our world today. It's one of the most significant things that we could have a solid grasp of and have personal experiencing, experience in the message of the Father's love. And, and when we have that down, it gives us a prop, proper perspective. Having a proper perspective of the Father is a big deal because it also then helps us have a proper perspective of ourselves and others. If the perspective that we have of our Father is twisted, is skewed, is messed up, then ultimately, we'll have an unhealthy reflection of that father toward ourselves and towards others. There's insecurities. There's there's uh, you know there's there's self internally. We we just our self esteem issues are low. The way we look at other people, we're easily offended. But when we when we receive that authentic love from heaven, it just begins to change things. It helps us to see who we really are. And it helps to look at people who are not like us and love them. Amen? And so I really want to dig down deep into this. And Jesus, Jesus worked overtime. You know, he, was, he worked very hard at communicating this loving Father in heaven. He, he constantly talked about the love of God. He talked about his Father. He said, I've come to, I've come to reveal the Father to you. In essence, what, you, what he said to Philip, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And somehow that reality is skewed. We could look at Jesus and say, he was amazing. He had compassion. He loved people. He took care of people. He met people's needs. But many times we don't have that same perspective of our Father in heaven. That's truth. And so I, I want to help us um, help us establish a healthy perspective. And my goal is that you would leave here today connected to your Father in heaven. Healthy relationship, a healthy connection with your Father in heaven. So looking at Jesus, you know, Jesus wanted us to know that our Father loves us so much. In fact, in Matthew 6, um, in Matthew 6, look at how Jesus communicates. This is the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. He says this, this then is how you should pray our father. Do you see that? That word our is is significant. He's not saying, I want you to pray. This is how you should pray. My father. No, he wasn't telling us to pray to his father. He was telling us to pray to our father. Do you get this? In another place, Jesus, near the end of his life, as he's on this mission to show us the love of the Father and constantly talking about the Father's love, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mark chapter 14, and he addresses his Father with a unique word. Verse 36, it says this, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And this this word Abba it is a personal type of word. It's a, it's an intimate intimate type of word that Jesus is addressing his father with. It's a it's a phrase of affection. You know, it's like what we would say nowadays, like Daddy. You know, as little kids, we'd call. It's not uncommon for little kids to call their father Daddy, or uh, you know, Papa, or, or however. However you were raised to call address your father, not in four-letter swear words, but um, in, in, a, in an affectionate, loving, kind kind of way. This is, this is Jesus, and, and Jesus is communicating to us, we have a God who is personal. We have a God who is close to us. We, we have a God who, who wants to be known by us. We, we have a father who loves us. He wants to be in relationship with us. You know? And so, and so this is, this is Jesus' message. God loves you. God loves you. He's, he's madly in love with you. This is Jesus' message constantly. And the reality is many people, let's just be honest, many people struggle with connecting to the Father. You know, this Jesus, this, uh, you know, if you look at the pictures or the videos, this blonde haired, blue eyed, long hair flowing in the wind as he walks along the beach type of guy. I mean, he's kind and he's easy to associate with, right? I mean, I can get along with Jesus. I can relate to Jesus. Um, You know, and even the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit, he's gentle and he's kind um, like he's a wind, he's a wind that blows, and, and he's a, you know, all these analogies and metaphors that the Bible uses to relate us to understanding this, this part of the Godhead, this Holy Spirit, and how he, he comes and heals people, you know, he's, um, and so his presence, he's easier to relate with, but many people struggle, you know, there's a struggle related to the Father, there's a struggle understanding the Father and who, who the Father is and, and what, his, what His purposes are. Because, you know, um, in fact, when we, when we think about the Father sometimes, some of us in this room may, may look at Him as threatening, to be honest with you. And it's unfortunate, but the way we relate to the Father in heaven many times is, is birthed out of how we related to our earthly fathers. And so if you had a good earthly father, it's, it's easier for you to relate to the father in heaven. But if you didn't, it can be a struggle. I, I fell into that category. It was a struggle for me. And so here, here's some of the lies that we tend to believe. Um, I want to actually go into the lies, but there's something I failed to mention I want to mention. Um, if you're here today... Uh, we we've been live streaming and we want to welcome the live stream audience, but also we want if you have a Facebook account, we'd love for you to share that. We've been getting like over a thousand views every single week or right around a thousand views. This is amazing. Leveraging technology to to uh, spread the gospel. And um, so if you take a minute and share the, the, the live streams available on Facebook, you can look at your account if you've if you've liked Faith Chapel. And you could share that. Also, the notes are in there. Um, and the notes are in there. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I want you to see the lies that we've believed about God the Father. They're right there in the church app if you have it on your phone. Um, here, here's some of the lies that we've believed as about God the Father. The first one is this. God is a judge who is never satisfied. Like, we always have to perform for him. And I, this is me. I, I viewed him as a judge sitting behind... Whatever it's called there in the, uh, what is it called? Uh, on his bench, yes. On his bench. And, you know, he's, he's, he's not happy with me because I didn't keep the rules, you know? And the way, the way we can, this is, this is me. I, this is the way I viewed God much of my life. Um, he, he's on his bench and he's, he's frustrated with me. And um, I... It's really about performance. Like, how could I please him? It's, I've got to do better. I haven't been doing good enough, you know? And and so this perspective that we have to earn everything with God in order to be accepted by him, I have to perform more. And and we could have this perspective of God, like, okay, you failed again. Or, Or another one is, God is angry. Here's a lie that we believe about God. God is angry. Lightning bolts, thunder, him smashing his Fist on the on the bench, you know, or where he's seated. He's angry. He's angry at all of our mistakes. These are twisted lies that we tend to believe. And you can never please him. You're not good enough. It's never good enough, no matter how hard you try. We can we can see God that way, and and so this is the kind of lie when we believe it. The last thing you want to do is run into your father's arms. You want to run from him. Right? I mean, if that's our perspective of God, this unhealthy, untrue perspective of God, we don't want to be near Him. We want to be far away from Him. We want to keep our distance. We'll respect and honor Him, but I'm not getting close, you know? So, so we, we can view Him as, as a judge who's never satisfied. We can view Him as angry, or um, we can view Him as distant, We could view him as a distant God, and we, you know, nowadays we we live in large part in a fatherless generation. Lots of people growing up without fathers, and it seems like to uh, to many who view God this way, as He's a million miles away, He's distant, He's absent, He's not involved, He doesn't care, He doesn't care to be involved, He doesn't want to know me. You know, I don't matter to Him. I'm insignificant. In his eyes, I'm a little pawn in his hand. You know, I, I don't matter to him, um, and, and so we can have this this misunderstanding uh, of God that makes us feel not valuable, not worth it, right? Um, and just to share a brief part of my story, I I had some of these perspectives in my life about God the Father. This is the way I looked at him. And I was the product of a fatherless home. And um, I loved Jesus. I was pursuing Jesus. I even became a pastor and was continuing to pursue God and the things of God. And I could tell you at face value, God is good, because the Bible says God is good. And I believed God is good. And I told other people God is good. And, you know, I, I, would talk, I could even talk about God's desire for intimacy, God's desire to be close. But I didn't really know it myself. You see, I think, I think a lot of times we can, get, we can get stuff this far, you know. It, it gets to our head, but it never gets to our heart. And I desired to know him. I desired to, ha, you know, uh, have a better understanding of the Father. But I was just leaning on Jesus, you know. Um, and his forgiveness and his goodness. And I knew that he, Jesus, came to represent the Father. So I knew that my thinking wasn't right. And, and so um, growing up in a fatherless situation, I, I constantly felt rejected. Like I wasn't wanted. I wasn't good enough. And so my, the way I would compensate for that is I would work much harder to get people's approval. Get people's affirmation. Get people uh, to tell me, you know what? You're amazing. I would, I would go after. I would work really hard and get promotions and recognition and all that stuff. But deep down inside, there was this emptiness because what I was getting from people wasn't satisfying what I needed from a father. You know. And I remember I was a pastor. I tell you, I was a pastor, a youth pastor at this time, and I was at a conference, and there was this guy talking about the love of the father. And I ended up going up to the altar and, and just saying, you know what? I, I need this because I, need, I have some wounds deep down inside of me that make me feel insecure, make me feel rejected, make me feel not good enough. Um, and I remember going to that altar that day, that evening, and I got wrecked. I mean, I was a mess. I was just like a blubbering, s- crying, snot rag. Of a ma- it was bad. I mean, I never cried like that in my life before because I I finally for the first time felt the Father's touch in my life. I, I felt his affirmation, felt his his uh, felt him near enough to me to say, You matter, I love you, I, I am your father. And that healed so many deep things in my life. I, I'm telling you, I knew, I knew all those things. I just never got healed from my past in those areas. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and like his main mission, he is on a mission to reveal this father. And as we look at Luke 15 and this story of the prodigal, this is really what we see. This is a revealing of the father's love. And we're provided four pictures of the father in this story. We're just gonna look at the first three for the sake of time, but... um, these, these pictures begin to reveal the amazing love of a father. See, we, we begin to believe those lies as truth that the enemy says, you know what, God is a distant God and he's mad at you. And, and uh, you know, no matter what you can do, it'll never be good enough. These are exactly opposite of what Jesus came to reveal. You know, we like to say in here that God is in a good mood. He's not angry. He's in a good mood because of Jesus, right? Jesus came to take away our sins and deal with our sins. And because of that, why would he be angry? He could look at us with favor and love and kindness. You know, he's not distant. Jesus said, I I will be with you always, even to the end of the age, right? I'm, I'm with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. This is what what Jesus begins to show us as he's he's representing the father. And so these lies, these twisted lies, are are the work of the enemy who's called, by the way, the father of lies, right? He wants to convince us that this God, this father, is not worth pursuing. And in reality, when we don't receive his love, when we haven't had the kind of encounter that we need um, by, uh, by having his the, the love of a father touch us, we're incom- incomplete. We're incomplete. And so you, you may know, you may, you may be able to talk to people about the goodness of God, but I, I'm here to tell you that we need a fresh encounter with the father's love. And my hope is that today that you'll feel his embrace, that you'll, you'll sense his goodness and his love for you and the, the brokenness inside of you will be healed. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. I mean, we just go through life. Life has its way of dealing us blows and wounds, right? And we have a choice. We could carry them throughout the rest of our lives or we could, we could be healed of them, right? And then be a helper to other people to discover that same healing. And so in this, this story, Jesus paints some pictures of the father. Um, and and in, the story is just about this son that leaves home, and the son leaves home. We're going to look at, at uh, uh, the first picture here in Luke fifteen twelve. Luke fifteen twelve. There's this. There's this father. We're introduced to this father and this son. Uh, he's a father of two two sons. And it says here in verse twelve, it says the younger one said to his father, "Father, give me my share of the estate." So he divided his property between them. Now that's a very, like, okay, what are you trying to say? Like, that's a picture of the father? Yeah, that's a picture of the father. One of the pictures of the father that we see in this verse alone is the father is saying yes to the son's request, which is interesting. Because in that day, in Middle Eastern culture, a son asking for his inheritance while the father's still alive, was equivalent to the, the son saying, I wish you were dead and I want what belongs to me. You'd be better off dead to me because I want what you have. So, so this son wanted the father's things, but he didn't want the father. Do you get this? He, he wanted what the father had, but he didn't want anything to do with the father. And, and this request would have ripped at a father's heart. You know, I tried to put myself in that father's shoes and if one of my kids came to me and said, Dad, would you just, you know, why don't you sell everything that you have, turn in your any retirement or insurance, you know, or anything like that and divide it up because I, I don't want to be around you. I don't want to know you. I just want what, what is rightfully mine. That that just, like, ripped me apart. And that's, in that day, that's what happened to this father. I mean, the, heart, the father's heart's torn. And um, we need to see if we have an accurate picture of what likely happened is the father weeping as the son walks off with his inheritance. I mean, the father's broken. He's not angry. He's not, you know, calling down judgments from God on his son. He's weeping because he's hurt. He's wounded. And so this first picture of the father saying yes really leads us to some questions. Why in the world would he have said yes? Uh, You know... And here's, here's my take on it. You could argue with me if you want. I'm probably right. But here's, here's my take on it. Here's, and here's also the first point. The first point is this. Our Father's love is relational. It, there comes a certain point in, in raising children where, you know, if, my, if, if I had a 10-year-old kid and my 10-year-old kid came to me and said, uh, give me give me my share of the inheritance, I'd laugh in his face and tell him to go up in his room. Right? If he was 15 or 18, I'd probably do the same. But there comes a certain point in time where, uh, where our sons and daughters are no longer under our control. Right? They may be in our house, but we don't control them. Right? And so, so this kid has this desire and, and the father at this point was unwilling to force his kid to stay. Now, he might have been in his 20s. We, we don't know the age. I'm not even going to speculate. But he was probably, at this point, adult age. And he was unwilling to force his hand on his son. He wasn't going to make him do something that he wanted. And, and my take on this whole thing is he gave him his inheritance because he thought perhaps there'd be a way to keep the door to a relationship open with his son. Even at his own, even at the own breaking, even at the breaking of his own heart, he said, "Is this what you want? I know this isn't best for you. And I, you know, it, it'd be better if you stayed. It'd be better if you were a part of our family. Is this really what you want?" And I, I could see, you know, some tensions in the relationship and 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 some stresses there. But ultimately, the father. The father said yes. The father wasn't going to control him. He didn't force him. And, and, you know, in this room, every parent wants what's best for their kid. You know, he didn't say, take the money. I know you're just going to go destroy your life and waste all my money. He wanted what's best for his kid. He probably knew that this is what was going to happen. But perhaps there was a hope someday my son will come back to me. Perhaps someday he'll return to me, and this is just an expression of the relational love of a father. First John 3.1, 1, uh, one of my favorite verses says, See what great love the father has lavished on us. Those are just some powerful words. Well, it's a great love, it's not just it's, 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 it's a powerful, great love, and it's been lavished. I mean, just excessive been lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Listen to me. One of the things that we need to know about the Father is this. We could always trust his motivation. We could always trust the the fact um, that as a father that he loves us because it's always to him about relationship. It's always to him about relationship to Him relationship is so important. And ultimately, if we don't have a healthy relationship with the Father, that's our doing. I mean, if we're going to be totally truthful in here today, it's our doing. It's not the Father saying, I'm going to keep you at arm's length. I'm going to stiff arm you. I want to keep you away. Oh, you're not good enough. Oh, I don't value you over here like I value you over here. It's not that. It's our relationship with the Father is based upon our doing. He says, "Draw close to me, and I'll draw close to you." There's this open invitation to know Him, to be with Him, and um, this—that's the picture that I see uh, related to this Father here. And so today, we're going to have a relationship or opportunity for for uh, each and every one of us to step into a deeper more significant relationship with the father. That's the first picture. The father said yes. The second picture we see in in verse 20 of Luke 15. um, And it says this. Verse 20, Luke 15. It says, So he got up and went to his father. What's happening here in the background is this. The son takes the, the inheritance and he goes off and he spends it, the Bible says, in wild living. And, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. He has all these friends and everything. And he's partying. All of a sudden... He's out of money. He's broke. And so he's like, I've got to find a way to make some money. So he starts uh, working for this farmer who own pigs. And he was feeding the pigs. And the Bible says that he longed for the pods that the pigs were eating, but he couldn't eat them. Um, and see, he's starving. He's thinking to himself, okay, I've got to come up with this, this, victory, this speech to go, go back to my father. I'll tell him, I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore, but I'll be one of your servants. I'll be, I'll be a worker for you to take care of your property, to take care of your animals and such. So um, in verse 20, he, he comes up with this speech and he decides, I'm going home. Not as a son, but as a worker. He got up, it says, and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. This second picture is, is the father seeing the son while he's this long way off. The father running to him and kissing his son. And, and so he, he kept kissing his son. And, and let me just say something really quickly about fathers in this place. As fathers, we need to be both tough and tender. We need to be tough for our family and tender with our family. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've run into that are wounded because their father never told them they loved them. They're they're wounded because their father was too tough on them, you know, and not tender with them. They never got hugged, they they never got they never felt love from their father. That that really um, brings about wounds in people's lives. And so we need to we need to represent a father well by loving loving well our kids. Amen. All right, so, um, so this father's, he's an Eastern, he's a Middle Eastern man, and Middle Eastern men did not run. You probably heard that before if you ever heard anyone ever talking about this story. But here's the reason why they wore these things called tunics, which was like a man's dress, a man dress. They got man purses, they got, you know, they've got, they got man buns. Well, they had man dresses back then, all right? So this man dress called a tunic they wouldn't run because it was it was it was embarrassing for uh, a man to expose his hairy legs right forgot to shave or whatever so they would never run it was just embarrassing so in order to run you'd have to lift this thing up to run right and they would they would never run and but this father is pictured here in this passage as running to his son they would never run for any reason But let me tell you a little bit more about this this story. There was, in in that Middle Eastern culture, there was this um, thing called kazaza, which was like the community enforcing the rules of the community on a family or on a wayward family member. So this son goes off into outside of his community and blows his dad's money and the community would have punished that son when he returned to the point of banishing him. In fact, that word kazaza means to be cut off. And so this son was going to be cut off. But you see a father running to the son first. Yes, it's a sign of love. But it's it's also a sign of covering and protection. Like, I'm going to get to him before uh, they do. I'm going to bear his shame. I'm going to shame myself before they shame him. This is powerful. This is like the picture of, of what Jesus did for us. Because our father, point two, our father's love is sacrificial. It, it, it's sacrificial. He's, he's, you know, he wanted to, he doesn't want us to carry condemnation shame and guilt. In 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10, it says this, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this father is embracing his son. Yes, broken because he was gone happy because he returned, but there's also this, this picture of a covering uh, over his son that you need to see. The father loves us. So the father is relational and he's willing to pay the price to be in relationship with you. In fact, he did, right? He did. He sent his son. He, he paid the highest price To be in relationship with us. And and many times we have this separation from God saying, I'm afraid of you. I I don't want to be near you. I'm I'm confused about who you really are. And he's saying, come to me. I love you. I want to be in relationship with you. The third picture. Third picture is this in verse 22 and 23. It says, but the father said to his servant, So his son is coming back, and he has this returning home speech. I won't be your son. I'll be your servant. I'm sorry. I, I, I did some stupid stuff, but dad, take me back. And as he's giving his return speech, it says, the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Totally a different response that we would expect to see. I mean, how would you... Your son steals your car, you know, gets in a high-speed chase, uh, crashes it up, gets arrested, you know, and now your son's coming back home. You're like, what the heck did you do? Are you stupid? You know, this guy is embracing his son and restoring him to the proper place. See, the son's mindset is, I'm no longer a son. Listen to me, there's people... Uh, who quickly believe because of their mistakes that they don't, they don't have a right to be in relationship with God anymore. There's, there's people that say, I messed up too much. God doesn't love me anymore. You know, I've done this and I've done that and I have no right to be called a son. This is what this kid's doing. I have no right, I'm not his son anymore because of my actions, my choices. Oh, I'd love to be back in that position, but my choices have ruined that opportunity for me. So the son's coming back with the mindset like, at least I could get some food because the people who work for my dad get fed, you know. I'm not going to be a son anymore, I'll be a worker. And the father, you just need to see this, it's amazing, he, he's saying, put the best robe on this kid. Give him my ring. I, w- I want to hit my covering on him, the robe. Give him my ring, which is a sign of authority. He could transact family business. He has authority. He is he's my kid. He has my name. Uh, and give him shoes. Let me tell you about the shoes real quick. See, slaves in that day didn't wear shoes. They didn't have shoes. Because the fear was that slaves would run away. Sons had shoes. And he said, get some shoes on that boy's feet. He's a son. And so many times we get caught up in this thing like, I'm not good enough. I blew it. I've fallen short. And what the Father's doing, and this is point three, my last point is this. Our Father's love restores identity. It puts us back in our proper place. It it re-identifies us. Listen to me. We go into the world. The world just tells us, you're not good enough. You don't look good enough. You're not... You're not popular enough. You don't make enough money. You don't have the right position. We go back into the presence of the Father. The Father says, you're my son. Do you know who you are? You're my daughter. Like, you matter to me. You are important. I care for you. I value you. I've accepted you. And you've got to see how the Father related to Jesus in order for you to fully understand this. Jesus comes on the scene, and he grows up in Mary and Joseph's home. And before he ever did anything, we get this verse. He's he's going to get water baptized by John the Baptist. In Matthew 3.17, it says this. A voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Do you see the Father just pouring identity into him? He never healed anyone. He, he, He never... He never preached a message. He had no disciples at that time. He, he had done nothing. He had done nothing. But at the core of who he was, he knew that he was a son of the Father in heaven. He knew that he was loved. He says, whom I love. There's something special about knowing you're loved, whether you've made good choices or bad choices. There's something special about knowing that that love is unconditional. It says this, with you I'm well pleased. Well, why are you pleased, Dad? I mean, I I, I didn't do anything to earn your pleasure, right? I mean, I I still have yet to go do what you sent me to do. But he's like, I'm pleased with you, son. Because that that pleasure is a reflection of unconditional love. I'm pleased with you, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. See, Jesus... Is, is this, the, G, the Father modeled to, in Jesus what the Father's modeling to us. Like, I love you. And so the Father's love restores our identity. And the beauty is this, as you look at Jesus' life, he never uh, walked around the earth in, a, in an identity crisis, you know? He never struggled to understand who he was or why he was here. He never complained about uh, you know, his father abandoning him. He never second guessed his value. Right? Jesus, Jesus walked the earth and he was powerful because he had this connection right here. And what happens is the enemy tries to break this connection between us and the father so that we're struggling. We're looking at other people for affirmation. We're looking at other people for Love. We're looking at other people to, to tell us we're valuable when the father all along saying, listen, I, I want you to know how much I love you. You're my beloved son, my beloved daughter. I love you and I'm pleased with you. I don't care if you've ever done a thing for my kingdom. I'm pleased with you. Now that's healing. Now listen, we've got to get that from here down to here. Because some of you would say, okay, I know all that. Yeah, that's great. Okay, can you close the message now? But, but the reality is we're, we're walking around with wounds in our life that hold us back from fully being a son or a daughter and walking in that authority, that power. And so my prayer today is that we would discover that. And some of us, you know, we, we've never even started a relationship with the Father, and this is as simple as accepting what Jesus came to offer. Jesus came to offer true forgiveness of our sins. Because apart from what Jesus did, our relationship with the Father is broken because of sin. He is a holy God. He's holy. And so our starting point is to start that relationship by accepting the gift of forgiveness from Jesus Christ. And if that's you, it's as simple as just saying, you know what, I, I want to begin this relationship if he is the perfect father, I want to begin this relationship with him. And I, I do. I, I, I want to accept forgiveness of my sins. I want to I wanna give my life over to him. I want to surrender my life to him. And if that's you, I would love to personally talk with you. But today is a day to begin relationship with God the Father. And I challenge you to do that. At the end of the service, after I say amen, would you please come to me and talk to me today? I won't embarrass you, um, but I would love to share with you how great this relationship with the Father is through Jesus Christ. Amen? But the rest of us, we, we need an encounter with the Father. We, 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 need, we need to understand the reality of his love. We need to have all those doubts of a distant God, an angry God, a, a, a judge who I could never please wiped out of our minds. And so I want to just invite you to stand. I'm going to pray for you. If this is real for you, if, if, you, if you say, you know, today, I, I, I want to begin. I want to I begin to have a fresh perspective of the Father. If this is you today, I just want to invite you to put your arms out. We're gonna, I'm just going to ask the Father to come. And, you know, you may want to just spend some time alone in the presence of God. You might, you might want to just begin to, to ask him, God, I need, I need to know you. I need you to heal me from the inside out. I need you to make this love real to me. Because this world is full of Christian orphans. This world is full of people that know there's a God out there that loves them, but have never encountered that God that loves them. And because of that, we're insecure. We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks. We're insecure in who we are as sons and daughters. But when healing comes, when the presence comes, it makes everything okay. And so, Father, today we, we come before you, God. God, we need you. We need a fresh release of your love into our lives, God. You'd flood the innermost beings of who we are, God. That you'd show us, God. We know you demonstrated your love to us by sending Jesus. And God, that we would encounter your love on the inside, God. That you would bring healing to the broken places, God. The inadequacy, guilt, shame, not good enough, feelings. Lord, feelings of not valued, not wanted, rejection. Lord, would begin to be wiped away, Lord, like an eraser on a whiteboard, God. I just see you just wiping them away right now in people's lives, God. Healing on the inside, Lord. I just invite you to keep moving, God. Lord, we turn ourselves over to you, God. Take away those deep pains, Lord, that seem to never go away, that are holding us back, God. I press. I pray for a fresh touch from heaven. We need a fresh touch from heaven, God. We need you. Lord, we need that affirmation as sons like you gave Jesus. That affirmation as daughters like you gave Jesus. Hallelujah. Just receive what he's pouring out now. Lord, we say more, more of what you're doing, God. We welcome, we welcome, God, your spirit to come and touch us. We give you praise for it, Lord. Hallelujah We love you Lord Some of you may just need to sit And just rest in the presence of God Some of you may want to come And spend some time with him alone here Up at the altar We promise that we'll keep it quiet up here If you're, if you're As I dismiss If you could just leave quietly Lord So that we just honor people And as they have an interaction And encounter with the Father But Lord I thank you for what you're doing, God. May we have repeated encounters with your love this week, God. May you wreck us. (laughs) May you wreck the broken pieces inside of us and bring healing, God. A deep, deep healing, God. And we thank you for it. We love you, we honor you, we bless you, God. Keep working in our lives. Let this week be a life-changing week because of what you're doing in our hearts, God. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. If you're going to leave, if you could just leave quietly with respect for other people that may just need to spend some time with the Father.